welcome back to Seeking Rents, the podcast. I'm your host, Jason Garcia. I'm the publisher of Seeking Rents. That's a newsletter where we explore the ways big businesses and other special interests influence public policy, particularly in Tallahassee and in the Florida legislature, which is right now meeting in uh, the 2024 legislative session. So this is going to be another um, daily update out of this session. Um, this one is from Wednesday, day 30, which means we are officially halfway through the 60-day session. Um, I think we're going to run through a bunch of bills that uh, we haven't actually mentioned before. All, all of them will be new uh, today. Um, and we're going to start with uh, House Bill 1547. Now, to, to explain this bill, we actually have to jump back a year. Um Last year, the the Florida legislature passed another piece of legislation. Um, it was a priority of the Senate president, Kathleen Pasadomo, a Republican from Naples, and it was it was billed as a as the preemption to end all preemption. And if you don't know what preemption means, essentially, when uh, a state legislature takes away power from local governments, like for instance, when the the Florida legislature passes a bill that says um, that says local governments can't uh, regulate fertilizer or they can't regulate tree trimming or home home alarm systems. When it takes those powers away, those are all preemptions. And we see um, we see uh, probably around a dozen preemptions every year of, of, of the last like over the last decade. There's just been a ton of them. They move through. Most of them are pushed by business lobbyists who are upset with uh, with uh, a local government trying to do something about, you know, trying to pass like environmental protection ordinances or that sort of thing. Sometimes they're just ideological, like we're seeing some preemptions moving this year that would uh, would prevent cities and counties from doing independent oversight of complaints against police officers. Um, but so this bill that was passed last year, like I said, it was billed as the preemption to end all preemptions. And and what it did was it essentially empowered uh, businesses or other people to um, to block local government ordinances that they didn't like. And the, the way it worked is it set up a, a system where if a, if a city or a county passed a law that a business didn't like, the business could sue to challenge it as um, arbitrary or capricious. Um, and and what that would do is that would immediately block enforcement of this ordinance while this uh, while this court challenge played out. Um, this was a this was a pretty low risk thing for a business to do because the bill also set it up where if uh, if the business won and the ordinance was found to violate this new arbitrary and capricious statute, um, the local government would have to pay all the attorney fees for the business um, up to up to a certain amount. So, you know, as if you could afford attorneys and and sort of bear the risk of, of paying your own attorneys if you lost, uh, this was a this was a win win proposition. You know, you you sue to stop an ordinance you don't like. Worst case scenario, you delay implementation uh, of it for a number of months while the legal challenge plays out. Best case scenario, you get it dissolved entirely. And this isn't a direct quote, but Pasadomo said, you know, essentially that she had been tired of uh, of passing all these individual preemptions every year. She wanted to get something done that would just nip this in the butt on the front end. <laughs> essentially, I'm tired of uh, of helping businesses gut local regulations piecemeal. Let's just do it all at once. But um, so anyway, this bill passed, but it uh, that bill passed last year, but it included a few exemptions like it did not apply to, for instance, um, comp plan amendments or land development regulations. Um and there were there were reasons for that, partially because there are just a whole pile of other state laws involved in in how challenges to comp plan amendments or or land development regulations work. Um, there's also all sorts of different timelines involved in those. There's just plenty of procedures for you know if if you're unhappy with uh, with a comp plan amendment or you don't like a, a land development regulation, like if you're if you're a city or county uh, 
passes a, an ordinance allowing like accessory dwelling units in neighborhoods or something you don't like, there are procedures in place already for how you can try and push back against that. Um, well, anyway, uh, that law went into effect like about five months ago, and the legislature is already back in town ready to expand it. Um, House Bill 1547 would eliminate the exemption for uh, comp plan amendments and land development regulations. What that means is a business or someone else that that doesn't like what a local government is doing when it comes to to one of these these sort of development regulations can now use the same procedure to sue and automatically block it from going into effect. And again, they get the benefit of this kind of like no lose situation. In worst case scenario, you delay it for a number of months and you have to pay pay your own lawyers for the for the cost of litigating it. Best case scenario, you, you defeat it entirely and you force taxpayers to pay your legal bills too. Um, this is uh this has already got like local governments up in arms because uh because they thought everybody had agreed to a deal last year that like we would allow we would allow this uh this empowerment of businesses to block sort of regular ordinances, but we would make it a we wouldn't apply this to to land development stuff because that's got its own processes already. But here we are, five months later, legislature's already ready to go back on that deal. That's a that's that's becoming a theme of this session. I think we've talked about it before in context of some different legislation that would erase um, what are known as responsible wage laws that, that that require construction contractors building public works projects uh, to provide their uh, their workers with better pay and benefits. But anyway, let's move on. You know, one of the one of the interesting questions, and I I think still unanswered, is is kind of what is Ron DeSantis's sort of standing with the Florida legislature right now? Now that, now that he's uh he's been rolled and bullied into submission by uh, by Donald Trump. Um, is he the the same big powerful dominating force, or is he is he already sort of an early lame duck? Um, I don't think we have a real answer that to that yet, but but I, I think it's safe to say the the legislature is is being nice to him so far. And uh, as an example of that, uh, a little while ago he um, he held one of his now frequent press conferences. Now that he's he's done running for president, uh, where he called on the legislature to pass a couple more. Um, memorials urging urging the legislature to to or at in which the florida legislature urges congress to call a national constitutional convention for a variety of reasons specifically um desantis wanted them to do uh to call wanted to urge the calling of a constitutional convention for amendments to um one require equal application of the laws meaning any law that Congress passes must apply to members of Congress and then also to empower the president even further with a line item veto, which means that's a power the governor of Florida has, um, which allows the governor to to strike individual line items from a budget. It's it's a it's a really powerful tool. Um, you know, the the issue with these and, and we've talked about these these same sort of what are called Article five memorials, because the this, they call it they urge for the calling of a constitutional convention under Article five of the U.S. Constitution. And the legislature has already passed a couple dealing with um, congressional term limits and a, a so-called balanced budget amendment. Um, the 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 issue with all of this, um, the push to to try and get states to convene or or force an Article Five convention, is being driven by a bunch of conservative advocacy groups, particularly Alec, the corporate funded Bill Mill. Um, and the danger in all of this is there's no rules around how any of this stuff would work. So, uh, if if a Article Five convention is called, if a constitutional convention is called. It is not at all clear that they stick to the script once they get there and only do, you know, term limits for Congress, which is obviously very popular, even though 
you know, term limits don't do what you think they're going to do, but that's a, that's a topic for another show. Um, you know, but they, they might get there instead of just doing term limits, they might do a, an abortion ban. They might, uh, they might do a, uh, abolish all corporate income taxes, right? Like it's just, it's a really dangerous situation. But anyway, to circle this back, Ron DeSantis wanted to throw these other, uh, these other amendment ideas into the mix and a house committee today or yesterday are on day 30 introduced, uh, bills to do exactly what Ron DeSantis wanted to hear. You know, it's, uh, it's not, uh, anything sort of out of line for what the this legislature would philosophically want to do anyway. So it's not necessarily a sign of strength for Ron DeSantis, in my opinion, but it does sort of uh, show that the the legislature is listening to him, is trying to at least give him some wins. You know, the, the larger question of, of whether he can still sort of push the legislature around um, is still to be answered though, I think. Okay. Let's, let's turn to another bill that I think, um, is worthy of some attention. This is House Bill 1285, and that's uh, it's it's a broad education package, um, and it's it's being sponsored by a future Speaker of the House, um, and that that fact alone uh, means it's it's probably a bill worth paying attention to. But but what sort of jumped out at me is this bill was rewritten substantially yesterday, um, and it introduced a bunch of new uh, provisions dealing with classical education. Now, um, I, I will admit, education policy is not my uh, not not any one of my areas of expertise or anything. But but generally speaking, classical education is kind of like um, the, the the sort of central tenet of that is that it it's education that that is meant to focus on what what you often hear called the Western canon or the great books, and it, it usually means starting with uh, ancient Greek philosophers and then working forward from there. Um, but this has become a big push. This is classical education has become a big priority on the right, uh, particularly on the the uh, religious right. Um, you know, you are seeing uh, the push push to adopt classical charter schools to, to insert classical uh, institutions and programs into public schools and universities. Um, a lot of this is being pushed by uh, Hillsdale College. That's the the Christian conservative college i'm sorry the the christian liberal arts school in michigan that has become just an enormous influence on education policy in florida and so so house bill 1285 uh, like i said it was it was dramatically rewritten yesterday and it added a couple of provisions one of which uh gives the state board of education which is uh, essentially a group of political appointees picked by the governor of florida um the power to to issue rules uh, creating uh, classical education teaching certificates, which could be issued to teachers um, that teach in classical schools. So you're basically creating a situation there where these uh, these conservative political appointees are, are now have rulemaking power that that, that essentially further legitimizes and establishes uh classical education as like a core part of public education in Florida, or at least that's that's the potential there. The other thing this bill now does is it um, gives students who are enrolled at one class at, at a classical school somewhere in the state um, priority if they go to transfer to a, a classical charter school. Um, again, just sort of privileging classical education in a way that um, that we're not doing uh, for for more traditional forms of public education. Again, classical education, not bad in and of itself, but a uh, lot of examples that it's uh, it's being used uh, to masquerade for conservative education. So that is that is definitely something worth paying attention to. And then we're going to end up with one last bill. And this is um, 
No problems whatsoever with this bill. There's just one point I want to make around it. The Senate yesterday passed uh, Senate Bill 7028. And and what this, the, the main thing, the most notable thing this does is it puts another $100 million into the My Safe Florida Home Program. This is a, a program that exists to provide grants to homeowners to make hurricane hardening improvements, like to install, you know, stronger roofs or storm storm resistant windows and that that sort of thing, or flood flood protections. Um, the idea is you are helping hardening homes against hurricanes, so they'll suffer less damage, and the cost of insurance will come down for those homes. Great. No, there's no reason to to be upset with this program, as far as I can tell. Uh, the only challenge with this, and and we've we've discussed this dynamic in in the context of some other some other bills that in and of themselves aren't bad, is this this we can't allow a grant program that helps one home at a time to become the only positive consumer thing we're doing around property insurance. And, and my fear, as I've mentioned before, is that we're going to end this session having done nothing to really help homeowners with insurance. Um, and, and done things that will actively hurt a few property owners with insurance. And that the answer to this is going to be, well, we expanded the My Safe Florida Home Program. We put $100 million in it. It's a great program. It helps the individual people. It does It does nothing to uh, address the larger problems, at least in the meantime. You know, if if you did this for, for 25 years, you, you might finally get there. But it is not a solution to help people that are struggling right now. And and I, I really hope uh, it is not cast as like, when when the question at the end of the session comes, what did you do for to help homeowners with hur- hurricane insurance? If the answer is we expanded the My Safe Florida Home Program, that's not an answer. Okay, that's going to do it for today. Uh, thanks as always for listening. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the newsletter. Easiest way to find us is seekingrentsfl.com. Uh, subscriptions are free. There's uh, none of our shows are ever behind a paywall, but there is an option to pay for a subscription if you can afford to do so. Um, thanks for listening. We'll uh, talk again very soon.